I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Breaking news, the House Democrats have passed the $3.5 trillion uh, budget plan, creating the framework for uh, the president's agenda on many of the social infrastructure pieces that uh, the Biden administration is going after. That has uh, just happened in the last uh, few moments here. They passed and really rallied behind uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We were talking about this earlier in the day. She has an amazing ability to get a deal struck And this deal was not a deal with Republicans. This time she needed a deal with moderate Democrats, 10 of them uh, specifically, that uh, were holding out uh, to take this vote. This vote passed the House 220 to 212, strictly on party lines. So you can see how closely the House is divided. If these 10 moderate members uh, had not voted uh, with the rest of their Democratic colleagues, it would not have passed. It would have failed. Uh, So they have uh, reached a tentative agreement. I don't think this is a full agreement by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, just as a reminder, this is not the final passage of the bill. This just gets it uh, moving forward. Uh, The rule uh, which was passed requires that the House of Representatives take up the Senate-passed bipartisan bill. That's the $1.2 trillion bill. That They have to take that up by September 27th. So that's also a a very important thing. Uh, The rule that passed uh, also clears the way for the House to take a vote uh, on some of the uh, things around the Voter Rights Act, uh, and that one will continue to play out as well. But it's important to remember that in passing this rule, uh, that really begins the process. Much of that $3.5 trillion package has not been written yet. I know that seems odd. You're voting on something that hasn't been written Uh, But there are big chunks of it that they uh, are confident in. There are a lot of rumblings coming out of Washington, D.C., that this is not going to be $3.5 trillion, but may well be north of $5 trillion, maybe even as much as $5.6 trillion. Uh, Those are not rounding errors, folks. That's an additional $2.1 trillion uh, onto the packages. What we're hearing and what rumblings are in terms of what the CBO score, the Congressional Budget Office score, will be. So these are all things that we're going to continue to watch uh, play out in the House of Representatives as we go through the week this week. We are still standing by to hear from President Biden. Uh, this is just getting really interesting that we are now six hours and 50 minutes from the moment the president was initially scheduled to address the nation. So he's been uh, he's been pushed back nearly seven hours and it probably will be seven hours by the time he actually gets to the podium. 
and begins to address the nation on the situation in Afghanistan. Now, we will note that he did spend a portion of that time talking with our allies, the G7, uh, on a video conference call that was held today. And again, it was one of those where the president reiterated the U.S. commitment uh, to honoring the commitment to be out by August 31st. That raised many questions, I think, with our allies uh, and with many uh, just looking at the uh, reality and, and how realistic it is to have everything done and have all of our military and operation out of Afghanistan by the 31st. It would mean, uh, for all intents and purposes, that you would have to end evacuation of civilians and allies uh, probably by Saturday or Sunday at the latest. It's going to take a couple of days to, to get just the military hardware and the military personnel out of the country. And so that's uh, that's going to be a challenge for sure, that uh, making that deadline is just going to be tricky. So obviously there's lots of nuances, lots of uh, things that are developing as it relates. To me, part of the problem with all of this is just the pace at which the administration is or is not moving and how they are and are not communicating what's going on. Uh, I think many of our allies are a little rattled in terms of the leadership component to all of this. Why is it that the administration is being so slow? Again, I, I think everyone has the same goal in the end. Uh, I think you can get to that as as a goal. Uh, I worry that once again, the, the administration has become so laser focused on a specific target uh, that they're forgetting what the greater uh, mission is and what the desired outcomes are. Because we have to get to the outcomes. Uh, everything else is just window dressing in the end. Uh, and so the fact that uh, they're still debating that they're being very slow to process this kind of information is, uh, is a little bit troubling for a lot of people and worrisome to a lot of people. And again, that, that's not a left or right issue. That is a leadership and a uh, organizational issue. Because the questions have to become, what is the military telling them? What are the intelligence folks telling the president? Uh, what is that information? What is his staff doing or not doing? Uh, we often talk about uh, bad staffing. And if your your boss is, is paralyzed and not making a decision, you got to present more information and get a decision. Uh, because there's nothing worse. The more you hesitate, the more you vacillate, the more you wring your hands and go over and over and over again, uh, the less confident anybody's going to be in what you actually say. Uh, as someone who's uh, been watching and waiting for the president to speak all day, I'm really curious now what he will or won't say, mostly because this will be the fourth time in a week, fourth time in seven days that the president of the United States will step to a podium to address the American people about the situation in Afghanistan. And I don't think in the first three times he stepped to the podium, that he has done anything to gain confidence or exude confidence into the American people. And again, not just from the political rhetoric portion of the program. Let's, let's divide all of that stuff out. Uh, let's look at what the mission is, where we are, what do we owe to those who stood shoulder to shoulder with American forces in Afghanistan, those who, who served as interpreters, guides, contractors, all of those uh, deserve uh, what we promised, and that is that we would not leave them behind. And again, as uh, President Biden has indicated that he's going to keep to the August 31st deadline to have everything out of Afghanistan, 
Again, logistically, I don't know how that's possible. Many milita- military insiders are saying similar things that that's just operationally impossible. And so how the president positions that, how he explains that is going to matter. Uh, the words have meaning and the meaning matters. And, and how the president portrays all of this, again, almost seven hours uh, delayed, that's that's going to be a challenge. And... Again, it's not just to those inside of Afghanistan. He's he's speaking to various audiences. So let's talk about that for just a second. Communication in a crisis, communication in a situation like this, obviously has a big impact. And so he has numerous audiences that he needs to speak to in this address. Obviously, he needs to speak to the American people. He needs to reassure them that this is what we're doing. This is in the best interest of the national security of the country. He has to convey that. He has to reassure all of those who have fought over the past two decades to keep our country safe and secure, uh, to make sure that Afghanistan did not become a harbor for terror again, uh, that all of those veterans, that all of those who serve currently, for all of those families, for all of the Gold Star families, uh, that what they did mattered, what they did had meaning, what they did kept us safe and secure, and also made a difference for so many inside of Afghanistan. You just think of uh, the women in Afghanistan that now for two decades, because of the efforts of the United States of America, that those women had a seat at the table. They helped write the Constitution for the country. They were able to attend schools and work in businesses and start businesses. Uh, All of that matters. And all of the sacrifice that made that a reality matters. And so the president has to speak to those families and to those veterans. It was not in vain. And there was purpose, and it did make a difference, and it has kept us safe. So he's got to speak to that constituency. He needs to speak to our military members now, uh, whether they're in Afghanistan or deployed in other places around the world. Uh, he He has to reassure them in terms of the commitment of the United States government that when we send people in, we send them in with clear missions, the right resources, and the right exit strategy. The president is also speaking to our international allies. He has to reassure them. I don't think that happened in the G7 conference call today. I don't think that happened. Uh, The response from our allies around the world uh, suggests that they're not quite seeing it. Uh, Exasperated uh, is the word that has been used by some of our allies. Uh, Just dumbfounded in terms of how we're at this point. And then finally, the president also needs to send a very clear message to those inside of Afghanistan, including Americans in Afghanistan, including those that we've spoken about, our interpreters, guides, and contractors. Those have been helpful uh, to the United States of America over the last two decades and their families. And then finally, the president also has to send a message to the Taliban. They will be listening. And he needs to be very clear in terms of what we intend to do as we depart, that we are going to make sure everyone is out, that we are providing that path out, uh, 
So the president has a very tall order, and he has a host of audiences he needs to address. He's taken an extra seven hours to get ready for it. What will he say? Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. We'll continue to analyze it, break it down, and help it make sense in your world as we move ahead. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that'll make a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.